0: A few years ago, when I was living in Corona, New Mexico, I came home from a long trip to find out that my across-the-street neighbor had bought three lambs at the state fair. Now, these lambs were incredibly cute and cuddly, with their big eyes and their short little bodies. They looked like cartoon animals brought to life. I'd never seen anything so cute. But they were clearly not used to living in a small pen. They ran from one side to the other, like they were looking for the next place to go, and they bleated constantly. I heard them in my car from the next street over as I was driving in, they were that loud. Now, my office had a window that faced the street, so you can imagine it was hard to get anything done in this office with the constant bleeding going on. And though it was cute at first, it did drive me to distraction. So I decided to try something. I walked outside of the house, faced the sheep pen at my neighbor's house, and I said, in my finest imitation of their bleats. Immediately, they settled down. They stopped bleeding, and the, the one that had been walking from one side of the pen to the other, he lay down on the ground. Satisfied, I walked into the house, and then got to thinking, what does mean in sheep tongue? Perhaps I was thinking about that old joke of cats and dogs. Most of us end up imitating their voices at one point or another, saying hoof to dogs and meow to cats. Well if we could understand their responses, I think the dogs would be saying, hey, you speak dog. That's great. I have no idea what you said, but good try. Here let me teach you. Hoof, hoof. Meanwhile, the cats, <laughs> you know the cats would be saying, oh, are you trying to speak cat? what you said makes no sense. So until you get it exactly right, I'm going to ignore you. I'm still not exactly sure what I said to the lambs, but I'm glad they decided to give me credit for trying. I didn't get to improve my sheep tongue either as the lambs were soon sent out to the ranch where they did have lots of room to wander and eat the delicious, I assume, New Mexico grass. I did get to visit another sheep ranch, though, and learned that even today, sheep come back to a protected area to sleep, no matter how far they've wandered off during the day. They come back to the fold, and they listen to the calls of their fellow sheep and especially the voice of their shepherd. Even if there are multiple herds of sheep grazing on common land, the sheep know their own shepherd's voice and will come to their shepherd alone and not to anyone else calling them. In John's Gospel, of course, we see this same idea at work. Many villages in Galilee and Judea had communal sheepfolds where the sheep owned by many families would shelter together. That way, one family at a time could be tasked with watching over them making sure they were okay through the night, and the rest of the shepherds could actually sleep through the night and not have to stay keeping guard. Now, if you owned sheep and you wanted to take them out of the fold to graze, you would turn up at, you know, early (laughs) o'clock and uh, at the gate, and the family watching the sheep that day would let you call out to your sheep to follow you to the trails. If you didn't go to the gate and instead decided that the best way to get in was to crawl over the fence to get to the sheep, it was pretty much thought that you were not the rightful owners of those sheep. You might sling one over your shoulder and run away. That was thieving behavior if you're taking them from the fold that way. In John, Jesus uses this example to show what it means to be the true shepherd. A true shepherd doesn't use violence, doesn't sneak in, doesn't steal sheep away. No, a true shepherd calls the sheep by name and they know the shepherd and follow where the shepherd leads. But somehow this story wasn't understood as a lot of Jesus's parables. And so Jesus tries to make it more plain. He goes on to say, I assure you, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will be able to come in and go out. They will find everything they need. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but I came to give life, life that is full and good. This is all well and good and very helpful to explain what's going on. But why, in trying to clarify, why does Jesus say, I am the gate? Surely he's the shepherd. What's this gate business? Where does this come from? That's confusing at best to us today. But take a look at the picture on your bulletin cover. Here we see a shepherd standing at the entry to a sheepfold. Now, folds like this would be used uh, when the sheep couldn't make it back to the village at night. This was somewhere out in the hills. Notice that there is no gate, no door to the sheepfold. It's an opening that's fairly wide, but still narrow enough that the shepherd can cover it by laying down at its entrance. And that's exactly what the shepherds at folds like these would do. The shepherd becomes the gate to protect the sheep. Any sheep that tried to get out would wander over the shepherd and would wake them up. And the shepherd would be aware of anything trying to get in as well. The shepherd becomes the gate, keeping the sheep inside for the night, protecting them, keeping them safe. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, this is a way of saying, I am the shepherd. And in a few chapters later, he will actually state this directly. I am the good shepherd. And unlike my futile attempts to speak lamb tongue, Jesus not only speaks our language, but calls each of us by name. Calls each of us by name. Now each of, uh, in, in our world today, names have a certain power, right? We sign our name to documents that are important and credit card slips, where we're promising that we're going to pay this money. It tends to be a symbol of honor. I will sign my name to this. To documents like, oh, say the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, the names are important. And we sign them to it. We also tend to look up or answer if someone says a name that is even a little bit like ours. Maybe you've had this experience at coffee shops, uh, classrooms, other places where names are called out even if it's just slightly off of your name. Well, that might be me. I should answer this, too, seems to be the way forward. In the ancient world, names were believed to possess power over a person. It was believed that a child's name shaped their destiny, that if you knew someone's true name, you would have power over them. That's what's going on in the Rumpelstiltskin fairy tale, It's not until his name is discovered that the young woman has power over him. People would take particular pains to hide their true names, going by nicknames except with close family. But listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God calls us by name claiming ultimate power over us and tells us not to fear because God has claimed us. There's no one else that can do harm to us by our name. God has priority. Now, if God were vengeful, terrible, or tyrannical, that would be a pretty scary statement. But God, as we just sang about, God's all about love. God is love, and God's claim of us is a claim of grace, of freedom and love. Jesus reminds us that the sheep are free to come in and go out, that they have freedom of motion, can seek the fold when needing shelter, can seek food when hungry. The true shepherd cares for the flock, leading them to new pastures and into safety when needed. That God calls us by our true name is vitally important. You see, the Jewish people were intimately familiar with being renamed by their conquerors. And nowhere is this more clear than in the story of Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names have specific meanings in Hebrew. Daniel means God is my judge. Well, the other three means, mean Adonai is gracious, who is like God, and Adonai helps, respect, uh, respectively. When they were carried to Babylon after the fall of Jerusalem, they were all renamed. Daniel became Baltazar, and the other three became the more familiar to us: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were their Babylonian names. Their names, their identities, were changed to fit the language of their oppressors. But they remembered that God called them by their true names and were not afraid, even in the midst of those who were trying to harm them. Sadly, we Americans have acted more like the Babylonians in this story than the Hebrew people. In encountering native people not only did we force different names on them, changing the syllables into something more pronounceable, like Hiawatha from Hiawenta, or turning Chavez into Jarvis, or just assigning a new name altogether, like was done routinely on plantations and in native boarding schools. This serves as a reminder to us, my friends, that we need to take care to learn someone else's name as they say it. And if you do this, you'll go far in showing the love and respect for people that God does, because through you they will hear God calling their true name instead of having their identity replaced with something that's easier for you. Fortunately, Not every contact between native peoples and Europeans led to this level of disrespect and ultimately violence, though it did all too many times. Think of how differently things would be if we took Jesus's reminder that there are sheep in folds different from ours more seriously. For instance, let me tell you the story of the Reverend Egerton Young who was a Methodist minister and missionary in the 19th century in Saskatchewan, Canada. As a young minister riding circuit between far-flung churches, he befriended a fellow minister who was of the Cree peoples and learned their Algonquin dialect. I'm using Cree here because this is the name of the people that they have claimed for themselves today. Then they had a different name, and I don't know which of the different names it was. I unfortunately, the historical record is such that I'm forced to use this name that was applied to them by French, and I recognize the irony in this story. However, Reverend Young and his wife went to live in a lodge with several families of the Cree who had never heard the gospel stories and proceeded to teach the message of God's love for the world. After Reverend Young finished with a prayer, one of the elders said, When you spoke of the Great Spirit just now, did I hear you say, Our Father? This is very new and sweet to me. We never thought of the Great Spirit as Father. We heard him in the thunder. We saw him in the lightning, the tempest, and the blizzard, and we were afraid. So when you tell us that the Great Spirit is our Father, that is very beautiful to us. After a moment, he went on to to ask, Missionary, did you say that the Great Spirit, Spirit is your father? Of course, Reverend Young answered, yes. And did you also say that the Great Spirit is father of the Cree? I did. Then we are brothers. Truly, we are all children of God, and God calls us by name. Soon after God says, I have called you by name, you are mine. In Isaiah, God says, Everyone is called by my name. In other words, God calls us, calls all of us by name, and that name belongs to God. God is the true shepherd, the one who knows your name, who calls your name, who leads you in and out of the fold when it is safe to do so. So when you feel lost, Listen for the voice of the shepherd calling out your name. It might sound like your own voice within. It might sound like the voice of your mother or father. It might sound like the voice of your true love or even your child. Any which way you'll know it by its loving sound. It is the true shepherd that leads us out and back in, that keeps us safe, that guides our way. And it is the true shepherd that is the voice not only at the gate of our fold, but the gate of the fold of our neighbor as well. And the gate of our siblings across the whole planet. And so, May you hear the voice of the shepherd and may you follow the way the shepherd leads. May God call you by name and may you love God so much that names fall away and you are just constantly in the company of God, our Father, the shepherd, and the Spirit. Amen.